For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. We had our first week of college football action. It was not week one. It was week zero. So for you sickos out there like me, I was very entertained watching Northwestern beat Nebraska and matchups like UConn versus Utah State. I know, Ryan, you were also enthralled by the uh, quality of play that we witnessed in Hawaii against Vanderbilt. You, you probably had a nice weekend watching these these games, right? <laughs> oh man, what was that game? Sixty three to ten or something like that. Dude, I am just gross. so proud of the fact that so many people called like, that Hawaii was going to cover in that game, and it was like a six mm-hmm. and a half point spread. And I was one of the few people that said, "There's that's not going to happen. There's no way." Oh, by the way, there was a little FCS action this week, man. Who is that receiver? Ty James for what's it? Campbell or is it Mercer? I always Mercer. Uh, Mer- oh, dude, Moorhead who State is sucks that though. Wait, wait, wait. Mer- 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 Moorhead, Moorhead State sucks though. So like, I got to see him against some real competition before. But we- I, I looked at his stats, Joe. He had like six hundred something yards last year and like twenty something catches. He averaged like almost thirty yards a catch. And apparently, he played at Georgia his freshman year. So like, I, I got to yeah. be completely honest. As much as I try to act connected on on a lot of the fcs stuff or try to no, act's the wrong word because it makes it seem like i'm pretending you, as, yeah you are pretending <laughs> as much as i try to portray my you know my focus on the fcs and attention to the fcs i have not heard of him this is the first i've heard of him dude i don't know who he is but i'm like oh <laughs> and then i looked at his stats last year i'm like oh and he started look i, I think he was a walk-on at, jo- at georgia originally but like Still, he was he was on a Georgia football team at some point. You still have to be a pretty good player to be a preferred yeah. walk on at an SEC school. So it's not like you're you're just a scrub, right? Did right. you uh how'd you do on the betting front, man? Did you get any, I, any I wins was, this week? I was three and one, and Ryan he actually, you know, he set me up perfectly for the read. Mm-hmm. But to mm-hmm. before we get to it though, we're gonna talk about some of these top performances from players and just some things that stood out from us during week zero. But Ryan, you did set me up very nicely because I I went three and one. I picked Northwestern outright. I didn't pick them to, to cover. They were a, a 10 point dog. They, there was, it was like plus 300 odds for them to win. I picked Northwestern. I also picked uh, Illinois to cover against Wyoming. And then I had, I had Vanderbilt to cover against Hawaii, which, oh man, you know, Joe, what? Wyoming's bad, man. Like they're really bad. I, see, I didn't get that coming into this game. There were some people also like trying to pump up Wyoming. They, they lost their like whole team. I don't know why anyone would think that they, they're going to show up against Illinois in their second year under Bielma. They they had a couple talented quarterbacks too. Levi Williams and Sean Chambers. They both transferred, man. I'm like, oh my god, that team was awful. They were really because honestly, 
Illinois is not. I mean, Illinois is an okay team, but their quarterback's awful, man. The, the kid that transferred yeah, from Syracuse uh, or whatever. Like, yeah, Tommy DeVito and New Jersey. New Jersey, great. So we got to give him some Peter's respect. Pre- like, was it Prep or Bosco? I think he. I think he's a Bosco kid. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, but it, man, it was. I was just watching. I'm just like. Illinois is letting them stay in this game for a little bit because like their quarterback plays just awful. And I'm just like, but Wyoming has nothing like the running backs. Okay. The Swan kid or whatever his name Mm -hmm. is, but everybody, everything else. I'm just like, yuck, man. So, so bad. So bad. Yeah. We're, we're out on Wyoming. We should have figured that out after, uh, after the game pretty quickly, but my bets were good. And I've got a lot more bets that I've sprinkled in already for next week. I'd like to play some money line bets. Once those, those lines are out. And if you're like me, you're going to do it at Bet Online. Bet Online has so many fantastic options for betting. And the big thing for me that I, I really like, I, I remember a while ago somebody was trying to explain to me that some of these books give the lines late, but Bet Online gives you them super early so you can place your bets with plenty of time. You can do some research. And there's nowhere else better that you want to be going to than Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures. Head to Bet on Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Ryan, the big headline that we had this past weekend was Northwestern versus Nebraska. And I was excited that Northwestern came out with the victory. But early on in this game, everyone was was so excited by the performances of the Nebraska offense, some of these Nebraska football players. Uh, Casey Thompson, for about five minutes, was a Heisman contender for hey, that one play a, he had <laughs> give him a half man give him a half he had a, he had a good first half he had a good first half he had a good first half and then he had that play and then everyone was just geeking out geeking. the one where yeah. he turned around and all that which was i mean it was nice but then like what did he do outside of that it's a great college football play man it's a great college football play but and that's what case town's gonna be known for it's it's also not very translatable because i made a tweet right after the joe where i'm like casey thompson Good college quarterback. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what he is, man. Let's not try to make him a – I mean, Joe, I mean, uh, yes, I, I saw the face, and this is all I'll say, right? He was pretty solid at Texas last year, right? Like, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was fine. He was a fine, passable, solid college quarterback. And I think that's what he's going to be this year for Nebraska. Like, he's not going to be bad. He's just going to be fine, right? But then – there's going to be some people who are like, oh, man, but look at the plays he makes off script sometimes. It's just like, but yeah, man, but like, do you see some of the turnovers he makes sometimes too? It's just like, no. He tripped no, over his not. own feet to play later. Like- oh, my God. Yeah, the, the, I think the I, that may have been Northwestern's only sack of the day, and Casey Thompson literally sacked himself. It was mm-hmm. awful. Yes, very bad. Very, very bad. So we're out on on Casey Thompson as as we should be. Uh, we're out on the Nebraska offense. We're out on Scott Frost. Those are all separate issues. We did get to see the first action of, of Peter Skronsky, who paved a lot of lanes for a, a very effective rushing day for Evan Hull. Uh, the entire Northwestern offensive line, I think, had a, a strong day against what was supposed to be considered to be a, a good Nebraska defensive line, a good Nebraska front seven. Yep. I, I think Skronsky definitely positives. But, like, man, Evan Hull, dude, I was, I was juiced up watching Evan Hull. My man was running hard. My man was running downhill. He was hitting those holes hard. 
like I'm excited about what he might be. Like I'm not saying that he's a a potential top five running back, but like he really put himself on my radar. The way that he was running, uh, the chunk plays that he was picking up. If there was like a little bit of space, he was flying through those holes and he was running aggressively to pick up as much yardage as he could. And I, I honestly, I credit a lot of their success offensively to the way that he was playing. He he's a really interesting player, Joe. Because I actually did watch him this summer, and last year I thought it was very feast or famine with a guy mm-hmm. like an Evan Hall. It was it was. I mean, he made some big plays last year on a really bad offense last season. He ran for over a thousand yards, had seven touchdowns, over five yards of carry, thirty three catches, a couple touchdowns. But I really felt like he would hit some big plays, some explosive plays. But then like he wouldn't pick up like the short yardage, right? Like he would not pick up the when it, three when it's there type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And during this game, I was like, he's running a lot harder than I remember him running last year, like tough. And he's 210 pounds. He's got pretty good explosiveness. He ran for 119 yards and had five catches for another 55. So this is a kid that can do it in the run game, in the pass game. I still am not sure what I think of him athletically as far as like changing direction and laterally, that type of thing. But He's got some explosiveness, man. He runs hard. So I think he opened some eyes this week. And I'll say this, too. I know we want to talk about Peter Skaronsky a little bit. Yeah. That whole offensive line dominated. But my biggest thing with Skaronsky was I wanted Skaronsky to take a step forward as a run blocker and from a power profile perspective. And he dominated in the run game in this one, man. Like there were several just like down blocks where he took guys out off the screen, right? Like mm. he he really looked a lot stronger and a lot more powerful. And even the reps where people were trying to hype up some of these rushers for Nebraska, I was like, but Skaronsky eventually did get his weight down on these power rushes and still stayed attached to the play. Like, I was very impressed with Skaronsky, man. If he if he's as powerful as he was in the first game all year, then there's not a ton of holes outside of the arm length. There's really not. Yeah, and he's already off to a start, a really hot start for this season. We talked about coming into the year, if he has a really good season, he shows those improvements on those those levels that you're talking about, he can solidify himself as a tackle rather than as a guard. And we saw a lot of the things that we needed to see from Skaronsky as a blocker. I, I just think in general, man, he was he was manhandling dudes against, again, a Nebraska front that people were supposed to be that we're claiming was supposed to be really, really good. And I didn't see anything from those Nebraska defenders. Like they were a bunch of nobodies out there. It felt like, you you know what else it helps with Joe, honestly, is the fact that if you project him in the guard before the season, I was like, not hesitant, but I was also just like, he's not incredibly powerful. So like moving Mm -hmm. him inside, is that really going to do a ton for him? You know what I mean? So like, it's a little bit of like a chess match back and forth, but the fact that he showed that ath- that strength profile, I mean, why can't he be Zach Martin? Again, not saying he's going to be a seven-time Pro Bowl or All-Pro guard, but like, yeah. why can't he be that left tackle, that college left tackle who transitions into guard and is just a Brandon really good Scherf. football player? Right. Brandon Scherf, Forrest Lamp was a guy that they tried to do the same thing. He wasn't as successful with it, but like, there's mm-hmm. been some guys that they've made that transition. Lyle Collins early on in his career was a... LSU offensive tackle turned guard early on with the Dallas Cowboys. Connor Williams is a guy that we've seen coming out of Texas and being a pretty good guard for the Cowboys and now the Dolphins, even though apparently he's playing center for the Dolphins, which is just bizarre. The one note I'll make, a little bit more of a negative, 
is some people were very excited to see O'Shawn Mathis, who's a defensive end from TCU that transferred to Nebraska. He was invisible. And then I looked on ESPN. It said that he had 10 tackles. And I'm like, when did those tackles? Yeah, man. I I posted. I was like, when did did he have 10 tackles? I don't understand. Was he like... (laughs) After the play, like was just it had clean to, up or something like it is had that to be what like, it was. It had to be like one solo and nine unassisted tackles or something like it. Like I thought he was invisible working against not only because he wasn't just against Skaronsky. Like I just felt like he was invisible all day, whether he was working against left or right tackle. Like it just I, wasn't. Yeah. But even like especially in the second half when like Hull was like really hitting it. And that was when they they closed out the game Cam, and Cam Porter too man tough yeah. little runner as well he did he was he the nice guy play. who fumbled was he the guy who the ball popped out of his I, I can't remember if he fumbled. he's he's number two though and he's like 220 pounds he's a little more like the thundering guy I, I think it's a different guy wait I'm gonna he, I'm gonna he ran for up. like I, I thought he ran for like 90 something yards and Hall ran for like 120 119 let me let me see I'm pulling up the box score uh Cam Porter is number four. Number four. It, it might have been Cam Porter. He, had, I remember the guy had elbow tape. I think, I think it was Cam Porter. There, there was one guy who who busted like a huge run, and it was like when the the third quarter, second third quarter, it was like in that back and forth phase, and he the ball just popped out. It was a really bad play on on his part. They they ran the ball like crazy, and as much credit as we want to give to Cam Porter and Ryan Hull, and and they definitely deserve credit. The remaining emphasis is on what the offensive line did. Like, I, I really think that this is going to be a good Nebraska team this year. Mm-hmm. I, I said this uh, on, I did, we did a live stream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, D- define good. What's, what's good mean, Joe? What, what is good? Good, mean for, Nebraska? good for Nebraska, uh, uh, Northwestern's state. Oh, Northwestern. So, you meant. For, sorry, was what I meant. Northwestern. Gotcha. There's mm-hmm. two ends. It's easy to mix them up. I think this is going to yes. be a good Northwestern team. I don't think Pat Fitzgerald is the type of coach to allow for his program to be bad two seasons in a row. And as they were talking about and they were showing the graphic, it's a very roller coaster team. It's up and down. This is going to be one of those up years. They're not going to win the conference, but they're going to be above 500. They're going to be competitive. And that offensive line solidified that. The last thing I just want to talk about, and I, I'm not saying that Ryan Holinsky is a highly draftable guy. This is not going to be a, a top <laughs> eight quarterback, probably not even a top 10 quarterback in the class. But Ryan Holinsky looked pretty good for for what we're used to seeing. Like he didn't even really yeah. win the starting job last year, and he transferred over and he stepped in this game, man. And I, I and you even tweeted about it. I was kind of tweeting about it. Once they allowed him to just throw the ball and yeah. not be limited in his decision making, he was making some nice throws. Like he's got a little juice to his arm, and he can and he can make some nice plays as a as a strong college quarterback. He was a he was a pretty high recruit when he went to South Carolina originally, and he yeah. he's a younger brother of he's Ryan, right, or is he Tyler? He's Ryan, right? Ryan yes, Holinsky. Ryan, Ryan Holinsky, yes. Okay, so Tyler Holinsky was the quarterback that was at Washington State. His older brother, the one that passed away mm-hmm. unfortunately from suicide, which is a very sad story because I I think that he switched his number to number three to honor his brother. I think that was kind of the backstory there, but he was a nice recruit at South Carolina. Played a little bit as a freshman, mixed results, and now he's ends up three years later as the Northwestern unquestioned starting quarterback. And like you said, Joe, I mean, I thought he played great, man. Like I did. I mean, shout out to the offensive line again because they gave him all day to throw when they wanted to. But 
I really thought they could have done more with him. And he ended up throwing the ball 38 times. But like, how many times did Northwestern just like settle for a field goal and on third and eight decide to just run the ball or something yeah. like that? Like, honestly, I really like Pat Fitzgerald. I've liked Pat Fitzgerald my entire like. I I love him. I think he's a really strong strong defensive coach. I think he's a good player, a good person. I think he's good for that Northwestern program, but he played not to lose a lot during that game, which luckily for him, Scott Frost played to played, lose. Played to lose. <laughs> right? he's, he's, he coached to lose during that game. So he out, I mean, I, I guess in, in, if I'm do, doing the devil's advocate, like let Scott Frost lose the game, I guess. Right. And he did, but it was still kind of an ugly contest on both sides, but I, I really feel I, I mean, Helinski has a pretty strong arm, was accurate for the most part, made pretty quick, sound decisions. We'll see what happens with the man. I'm not here to say he's like an NFL prospect, but like it was a good first outing. It was a really good first yeah. outing. Yeah. Helinski- defense played pretty well, too. I, I know we want to yeah. talk about Helinski mostly, but Cam Mitchell might be a guy that we had to start talking about, too. The cornerback, number two, that had that interception during the game. He's, he's got something to him, I think. But. I, I think you also tweeted about Cam Mitchell. It's just so funny that this game was – you know, supposed to be a slop fest and it ends up actually being competitive and, you know, Northwestern really shines when everyone was expecting them to get smacked around and they, they have some talent. They have talent on both sides of the ball and we need to stop pretending like they're not a well-coached team. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's, yeah, it's like you said, Pat Fitzgerald rarely ever has two bad seasons in a row. They're they're never going to be to the points coaching at Northwestern where it's just like every single year we're going to be a good football team or contending mm-hmm. for Big Ten championships. But every other year, every third year, Northwestern's going to put a pretty good pretty put a pretty good product on the field. So they might have a good product this year. We'll see. So Ryan, there was a, a headline that popped up on on Friday and it mm-hmm. got pushed away as soon as the game started. Florida A and M played North Carolina and I, I know that you were you know attracted by the performance of Josh Downs North Carolina receiver but Florida A&M came into the game with dozens of players that were ruled ineligible because of transfers academic ineligibility mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of draft prospects coming from from Florida A&M uh, mismanagement by that program but that's a separate issue but Isaiah Land who was the Buck Buchanan Award winner? Did you see Joe? Joe did you see they yes. almost forfeited the payouts because of yeah. the whole situation? If they, they were going to play, like yes, yeah, because it, it was on them for for not being eligible. It wasn't like right. a Ugh. something that they couldn't control. It was all because of their their doing. They end up traveling. They end up getting smacked. Mm-hmm. But Isaiah Land is a draft prospect. Like he is a draftable prospect. He is on the Senior Bowl watch list. He is going to be on the Buck Buchanan Award watch list. Like he is a t- Pretty talented FCS rusher, edge rusher, probably more of a day three prospect. And he doesn't play in this game. And I, I think it's worth bringing up the concern to not be eligible. I don't know if it's on him or if it's on the coaching staff, but that's problematic. The one game that I think a lot of people wanted to see from him against an ACC opponent, and he's not even on the field because of ineligibility issues, that to me is problematic for his his draft stock. It is, and it's very unfortunate because he's a player that I mean, he led college football in sacks last year. He had 19 sacks. He was fantastic last year for for his level. And I don't think it's his fault, Joe. I mean, I think just kind of reading between the tea leaves, and even he posted about it. He's basically being victimized for the fact that he was going to transfer and then ended up coming back. So there was like a transfer thing, right? Oh. So for now, he's ineligible, which 
it's not like he's an academic ineligible player or like anything like that. It's literally something with like the transfer thing that he was kind of considering for a little while. So, but the reason that you wanted to see Isaiah land to your point is this is the best team that they're going to play all year is North Carolina. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they have another FBS team on the schedule. I don't think they have, they definitely don't have an ACC team left on the schedule. Like this is a power five football team. And North Carolina is breaking in basically a brand new offensive line outside of Asim Richards. So, like, he had an opportunity to play against. He would have dominated. He could have dominated. I I think he could have had some good moments, yeah. And against a a quarterback in, uh, what's the kid's name? Drake May, that he's not an athlete like Sam Howell was, right? Like, he's not going to break a ton of tackles and break out of structure. Like, if you get to Drake May, you have a chance to make a sack. And, Unfortunately, he's not able to play. Have you seen the size on Isaiah Land, though, Joe? I posted about it the other day. Yeah, wait, rem- he's got like a really interesting frame, right? Six three and five eighths. Yeah. Two. Uh, his arm length is thirty two and five eighths, so not very long mm-hmm. either. And he was only two hundred eight pounds during the spring measurements. Man, <laughs> so like, my guy looks more like a wide receiver than a defensive end. It's, uh, it's- Adrian Hope, similar. Build the former Furman oh, so defensive Ad- end. Ad- Adrian Hope's like four inches shorter, though. <laughs> it's a uh, yes, different conversation. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, it's very unfortunate, man. Especially if, if it's not directly in his control, and it's it's just very it's it's it sucks that he wasn't able to show his worth against the Tar Heels because that's the reason he came back, right? Is yeah. that he wanted to show his worth, but unfortunately was not able to. Yeah, uh, aggravating for. The fact that Florida A&M mismanaged this and all those guys didn't get to play in this game. And I I mean, to, to almost be punished for I, he I don't think he was directly being punished, but to be screwed because he was thinking of going to another school is is horrible. But you, you were uh, interested in what Josh Downs did in this game. And I know the starters didn't play the entire performance against Florida A&M because they didn't they didn't need to because they were playing <laughs> an FCS team's backups on top yeah. of not only playing an FCS team. Uh, what did you get from Downs though? Because I, I admittedly, I didn't catch a ton of this game uh, because I was doing our, our, our live stream, so I was kind of watching in the background. But what did you get from Downs? So I was really well. First and foremost, I actually give Florida A and M a little bit of credit, man. I thought they played pretty tough for a long time. Yeah, the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks not that bad either. Which I forget know, his name, but he's Sousa he, or something. He's one of the like better that. FCS quarterbacks. Yeah, he did. He did a good job though. Down so man, like the, the numbers were incredibly flashy, Joe, but like he did everything that I wanted to see him kind of improve in this game. Like he's always going to be a credible athlete. He needed to improve a little bit of his route running, even though he's got big time potential there. But then he had a really nice contested catch for a touchdown in this game as well. So I'm like, if my guy's going to start winning in the air on top of winning just as an athlete and as a route runner, then we're cooking with grease, man. At mm. that point, he's just an all around every level threat. It wasn't again. It wasn't like a gaudy stat line, but you saw things during this game where you're just like, "Yes, I love to see those types of things from Josh Downs." So you've got a hop. So let's wrap up with this last guy, James, or sorry, Jackson Mitchell from UConn. Um, mm-hmm. Saw spurts of this game. I thought UConn was going to really pull out and win this one, but they did. They... You really though? Did you really? <laughs> well, I, I, everyone was talking so highly about Utah State, and for them to be leading. At uh-huh. one point, not for very long, but at one point, I had legitimate hope that maybe they would pull it off. But, you know, uh-huh. UConn's still UConn, even under Jim Mora. But Jackson Mitchell, though, uh, wait, thoughts on him? I, I was interested that you texted me about him. I didn't even think we would ever talk about our UConn player this season. 
outside of Travis Jones last year, there wasn't mm-hmm. much to get excited about defensively for UConn last year. They had a kid named Fort who's a decent little safety linebacker hybrid, but Jackson Mitchell led them in tackles last year, Joe, and he was among the national leaders in tackles last season. And in this game, 16 total tackles. And, man, there's just something about it, man. Like, he is not the biggest guy. 6'1", 6'2", somewhere in that ballpark, 225-ish. But he just has a knack for being around the football. Really good eyes, finishes the play, gets in the backfield, kind of squirms through some some tight spaces. Like, there's, I think there's something to Jackson Mitchell. Again, like, I'm not saying he's top 100 pick, top 150 pick even, but we're talking about a guy that could sneak in to be draftable and might be a sneaky, solid football player at the next level for a role. Might have to keep an eye on Jackson Mitchell from UConn. Yeah, and this probably will be one of the few weeks we admittedly talk about him uh, because next week, Ryan, we have actually have some some real action. We've got some well, unless big he has games. like thirty tackles next week, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never. He might be the one who has to make all the plays because they don't have anybody else. But yeah. um, we've got real games. We're gonna preview some of those matchups at the end of the week. We've also got an interview coming this week. The schedule will shift a bit now that the season has started. Make sure you're subscribed and you don't miss out at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. And we will be back with more this week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.